You're a busy provider trying to stay current with the latest HIV testing, prevention, and treatment guidelines, and your pockets are overflowing with note cards. You need a convenient, trustworthy source for HIV testing, treatment, prevention, and care protocols. All healthcare professionals have a role in stopping HIV. Introducing HIV Care Tools from the AIDS Education and Training Center program. The HIV Care Tools mobile app is simple, free, and fully functional offline or online. It features quick guides for HIV prevention, screening, testing, diagnosis, and treatment. HIV Care Tools provides common clinical calculators used in HIV management and provide validated screening tools for comorbidities such as depression, substance use disorders, and PTSD. And if you need clinician-to-clinician consultation, HIV Care Tools provides one-touch access to free clinical consultation services by a multidisciplinary team of experts. Take us with you. Download HIV Care Tools today. Welcome to Nika in the Know, a podcast for healthcare providers in the HIV field. I'm Mariana Braitman. Today, I'm sitting down with John Barragon to talk about breakthrough COVID-19 infections for people with HIV. Welcome again, John. Yeah, thanks for allowing me to be here again. So, John, why is this something we need to be thinking about today? Yeah, so I thought um, uh, we would talk about some of the issues around COVID-19 infection with people with persons with HIV. Um, There's a recent publication that's pretty nice. uh, We kind of looked at this, and it's about people who are vaccinated uh, compared to people uh, you know, comparing people with HIV without HIV versus without HIV and who are fully vaccinated. Um, certainly, this is an important question. I think many of us, I think intuitively we have thought that if someone's CD4 count is decent or have a decent CD4 count, that the risk of getting COVID after vaccination is probably similar uh, for people without HIV infection. However, this large cohort of patients, which is uh, over 110,000 cases, were actually the numbers are actually slightly higher in, in those that were living with HIV versus those without HIV. So uh, this is, I think, one of the first times we've kind of looked at, it's almost like a journal club today, Mariana, like we're looking at some journal articles. I'm going to start trying to do some of that in, uh, moving forward. Uh, but this was published in the June uh, version of the JAMA Network Open, and our uh, lead author was Sally Coburn, who is an MPH from the Department of Epidemiology at John Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health in Baltimore. So again, I think it's really important because it's an important question for us to kind of have a sense of of what's happening with comparing people with HIV versus not HIV in full vaccination status and what those breakthrough infections look like. So where did this data come from and what exactly is it looking to address? Yes, so many of you may be familiar with the NA Accord study. The NA Accord study, um, one of the biggest things that the NA Accord study has looked at cardiovascular risk in HIV. Uh, and um, uh, that's that's been that's been used in in different metabolic uh, studies for for HIV. But this data actually comes from the Coronavirus Infection Virus Epidemiology Team Two database. So the CIVET CIVET Two database, which is part of this whole larger NA NA Accord um, uh, you know cohort database studies, and they, they they pull different data out of these different databases. So in an answer to a simple question are is the rate of and risk of COVID-19 breakthrough infections higher among vaccinated people with or without HIV in the United States um, through December 31st of 2021. So this is through the end of, uh, of this past year. Um, so the study involves a large uh, collaboration of different 
uh, electronic health records, prospective database cohorts um, from some integrated health systems and, and health centers. And, and it includes a lot of different populations. It includes people with HIV, obviously, that are fully vaccinated prior to June 20th of 2021. And then they match those people, um, match those to people without HIV by age, race, vaccination, ethnicity, and sex. So basically, they're taking the people with HIV, taking the people without HIV and matching them up. Um, and that's kind of how, how they did the study and, and looked at, at COVID-19 breakthrough uh, infections. What can you tell us about the people involved in this study? Yeah, so in total, there was about 113,000, just under 114,000 patients, uh, 30,000 roughly with, with HIV, 80,000 persons without HIV. Most are 55 or older, the vast majority were male, 41% non-Hispanic patients. Uh, patients had to be 18 years of old, age or older. They had to be in care and vaccinated. Now they define that as either as defined as either 14 days after the second dose of Pfizer or Moderna. So if you remember, we haven't talked about this in a while, but you know, fully vaccinated is two weeks after you've gotten two doses of Pfizer or Moderna. Remember that back in the back in the beginning, right? When we talked about this. Um, and then even Janssen, um, uh, 14 days after the single shot of Janssen. And then they matched um, three fully vaccinated uh, persons without HIV by date of being fully vaccinated with, with plus or minus 14 days, 10-year age groups, race, ethnicity, and sex at birth. So they did a lot of these different uh, different categories, but they matched three basically persons without HIV for every one person with HIV, and that's kind of how they did it. All the cohorts are basically had very same matching, essentially. Um, there was a veterans cohort that was done a little bit differently just because of the uh, of the data that was available. Uh, but the main outcome they're looking at with all this is breakthrough SARS-CoV-2 infection that's been proven by either nucleic acid assay or, or an antigen test. And, um, and the way they looked and found patients, persons with living with HIV, they went back and looked at ICD-10 code. So they were able to tell if somebody had, had HIV. So again, all database studies, right? So they're basically looking at database, querying database, whether or not you have uh, positive COVID infection, and then looking at all these other, other different factors that, uh, and comparing people with HIV versus people without HIV. And what did the study ultimately find? Yeah, so Mariana, the, the incidence rate of breakthrough infection was was 47 for every thousand person years, uh, uh, which is which translates into just under like around 3,600 breakthrough infections uh, among uh, uh, 78,000 person years, and that was definitely higher in people with HIV versus those without HIV. Not not a huge difference, but it's 55 for a thousand versus 43 for a thousand. Uh, for, for people with HIV. So it's a little bit higher. So the breakthrough rate was highest with the Janssen vaccine, which I think is very interesting that um, uh, now, if you remember the Janssen vaccine actually had some of the largest numbers of HIV infected uh, persons living with HIV in their, in their studies. And um, there was 70 per, per thousand person years and Pfizer was 54 per thousand. And then Moderna was 34 per thousand. Uh, uh, so again, the highest rate of breakthrough was actually found in people who had gotten the, the Janssen vaccine. But regardless of the vaccine type, the rate of breakthrough was consistently higher among persons with HIV versus those persons without HIV. Uh, and overall, the cumulative incidence of breakthrough infection at roughly 275 days after vaccination was about 4%, and then higher with persons with HIV were 4.4% versus 3.5%. Uh, which in, in HIV, uh, persons without HIV, which is statistically significant. So let me just recover that again. So overall breakthrough rates, right, was about 4%, but 
But if you look at people with HIV, persons living with HIV, it's 4.4% versus 3.5% for those people not living with HIV. So again, it might not see like a huge difference, an absolute difference, but it was statistically different um, uh, between, between those two groups. So certainly persons with HIV have a higher cumulative incidence of breakthrough infection. Um, in addition to that, Mariana, they also looked at CD4 counts. And um, uh, if you look at patients with lower CD4 counts of full vaccinations, definitely had higher cumulative incidence of breakthroughs in those persons with HIV. Not statistically significant, but the breakthrough risk was not significantly higher in persons with HIV if they had unsuppressed versus suppressed HIV. But persons with HIV um, had higher cumulative incidence of breakthrough regardless of CD4 count or HIV viral load suppression compared to persons with it without HIV. So risk of breakthrough, highest with Janssen, 5.7%, Pfizer, 4.4%, Moderna, 2.8%. And again, with the, within each of these primary vaccine types, the risk was higher among persons with HIV versus those without HIV. So one point I wanna make here, right? So remember Janssen is only one, was only one shot. I think we all, in the very beginning, we we're trying to get people just to get vaccinated with anything. And even still today, Janssen still does have emergency use authorization for, uh, for um, despite the, some of the, some of the uh, thrombosis issues. But still, if somebody's not going to take any other vaccine and they don't want the mRNA platform, you know, you could still potentially use Janssen as, as, a, as an option. But I think this really kind of think tells us, I think, that the mRNA vaccines are probably performing better. And that could be because there's two shots. Um, uh, with the primary series, that might be part of it. But um, if you remember that the Moderna had kind of had some similar, kind of had some little higher rates of side effects. And I often wondered if that was because it elicited a higher immune response only because there was more potentially a higher dose, right? Of different doses than we use for Pfizer. But again, you're seeing a little bit more protection, 4.4% versus 2.8% if you compare Pfizer versus Moderna. Now, I want to make sure I'm very clear. There's nothing, this study was not designed to compare the two vaccines to say which one was better, right? But I think there are some, some trends in here, which I think are important. And maybe um, now after you get your third or fourth, fourth shot, it might not make a difference. But at least that, that initial series, Moderna may potentially, potentially may, may be a better option for some patients. What factors in terms of breakthrough infections were considered when it came to people with HIV? Yeah, so I think this is important too. This gives us a wealth of data just with persons with HIV and on a large number of patients. I mean, this is close to 30,000 people, right? So persons with HIV, first of all, have a significantly higher risk of breakthrough infections. We know that. It was about a 30%. Um, if you look at the hazard ratio, if they adjust it, it's 1.28. So it's about a 28% increased risk of a breakthrough infection if you have uh, living with HIV versus not. Older age, over 55, definitely associated with this decreased risk of breakthrough. And younger age, less than 44, was associated with an increased risk compared to patients age 44 to 54. Interestingly enough, that's, that's something I don't think we would have expected, but younger age tended to do not as well, at least in this cohort study. Compared with patients receiving Pfizer, patients who had received the Moderna primary series had a reduced risk of breakthrough infection. And that that adjusted hazard rate is 0.66, meaning that there's roughly about a 34% reduction in breakthrough infections if you receive Moderna versus those that have received Pfizer, which strengthened for those with Moderna plus an additional dose of any type of, of vaccine. So if you've got two Modernas and then you got one Pfizer, that's how I did my vaccination. Not that this, you know, not that this matters here, but that's how I did it. Some people didn't mix and match. Um, but clearly that, that 
that hazard ratio even is, is about 50%. So, uh, or 0.5. So it's a 50% reduction after your third dose, regardless of what, what third dose you get. Um, it doesn't matter which one you get, even if you've gotten Janssen afterwards, which most people probably wouldn't have done. But an additional dose of following Pfizer primary vaccination was also associated with lower risk than the two doses of Pfizer. That was about a, about a, a 31, a 39% reduction, um, sorry, 29% reduction in, in hazard ratio. So HIV viral load, no association between COVID-19 breakthrough risk and HIV viral suppression. And then CD4 counts of 500 or greater was associated with a decreased breakthrough, uh, which is about a 34% reduction in, in, in uh, the hazard ratio. So that point is actually very important, Mariana. So again, our intuitive thoughts as we kind of went through this is that patients with higher CD4 counts tended to do better, I think, at least in my in my mind, at least for patients with HIV or in the very beginning, even without vaccination, right? But with vaccination in this setting, patients with T-cell counts of 500 or more had a decreased breakthrough risk um, and that, that hazard ratio was about 0.66. So again, a 34% reduction in, in, uh, in, um, in breakthrough infections if you had a T-cell count of, of 500 or greater. Something that comes to mind with this is what limitations do we need to remember when examining this study? Yeah, so I think this is the biggest issue with database studies like this. Limitations certainly do exist and there's always, you know, biases. And even the way that the, the adjusted hazard ratios are done, you know, you always have to look at that and look closely. Now, coming from, you know, reputable journals, you know, usually most of this is done correctly, but limitations certainly do exist and this was not perfect. Some of them, uh, I think, um, are, are important. First of all, this is not generalizable to all uh, persons living with HIV in the United States. Um, it's a greater, there's a greater proportion of men uh, than found in the U.S. population of, of persons living with HIV. Those without regular access to healthcare are, were less likely to be included. So again, these are database studies where the people are consenting and they're agreeing to be part of it. Um, there's a higher detection of breakthroughs in persons with HIV versus those without HIV may exist because increased severity of, of breakthrough in persons with HIV versus those without HIV in, in, as, um, you know, in, in symptomatic disease. Again, that's identified more frequently than asymptomatic disease. So persons with HIV may have a detectable SARS-CoV-2 virus for up to 90 days or more after infection. So some of this may actually be some differences just in how uh, SARS-CoV-2 um, presents in persons with, with HIV. Um, this matching scheme was not consistent across the cohort. So some cohorts were done a little bit differently, although it was tried to be, they tried to be as best they, as best they could, they tried to be very similar in how they, uh, they identified people, but um, matching factors indicate that our samples for, for uh, persons with HIV and persons without HIV were comparable, though it wasn't consistent across all, all the cohorts. That's certainly a limitation. And then really we're unable to account for uh, for comorbidities. So that's interesting too, because, you know, the person's living with HIV, if they had more comorbidities, it could have affected the breakthrough risk uh, and likelihood of receiving uh, even an additional dose of vaccine um, and COVID-19 testing frequency could also make a difference in, 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 some, in some of these results. But the bottom line is really, you know, I think this is a great article to, to look at to kind of figure out what's going on in this population. As we begin to wrap up, what final thoughts and key takeaways can you share for providers and anyone else listening in? Yeah, so Mariana, I think the most important thing here is that for persons with HIV, with advanced or untreated HIV, 
you know, we're still recommending an additional dose 28 days or more after the second mRNA dose or the first Janssen dose and a, and a booster three months or more for mRNA or two months or more for those initially vaccinated with Janssen, all right? So that's basically the, the two-shot series plus the booster. But all persons living with HIV may actually benefit from being including in this recommendation because of the risk of breakthrough was higher in persons with HIV than those without HIV. So if you think of getting that fourth shot, right, the second booster, this may, may potentially be a reason if you, you know, regardless of, uh, you know, if you have HIV, this might be a reason to, to receive that fourth, that fourth shot. Um, uh, the first booster dose is now recommended for those age 12 years and older. The second booster is recommended for those 50 uh, years and older and in certain immunocompromised groups. The results of the study really, I think, suggest that these booster doses may even be more important for persons with HIV to prevent breakthrough infections. Even if you have you know, a decent CD4 count, there might be some benefits still. So certainly this increased risk of breakthrough infections in persons with HIV needs to really be monitored uh, as the pandemic persists. Um, immunity to the primary and uh, vaccine series wanes and boosters are widely recommended. And new variants emerge. I think we have to continue to think about our patients who are living with HIV uh, and, and thinking about whether or not they need additional protection that we may not be giving to um, other uh, other other populations with with um, uh, for for protection for from COVID, from COVID. So this is just an interesting study. I think it's a good one for us to kind of look at. But um, you know, I think some good data really in this uh, in this study from this Open JAMA network. John, thanks so much for joining us and telling us all about one of the many ways in which the COVID-19 pandemic has affected the HIV community. We really hope you learned something new today. To learn more about Nika AATC's work and our role in ending the HIV epidemic, visit us at www.nikaatc.org. That's www.necaatc.org. If you have questions or comments about anything we covered today, or if you have suggestions for topics you'd like to hear us talk about, don't hesitate to email us at podcast at nikaatc.org. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at nikaatc.org. Stay safe, and we'll see you on Thursday for our next episode of Nika in the Know. This presentation is supported by the Health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA, of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS. The contents are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views of, nor an endorsement by HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government.